0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo joining us, Global Commodity Analytics. And as we look at this market, higher numbers in the corn and the beans. We saw a big drop taking place in the wheat. It could have been a lot worse than what it was. But as we dive into it, nice to see at least on this rainy Tuesday, some positive numbers for corn and soybeans, Mike
1: yeah and you know the nicest thing about it for me susan was we didn't go higher in the dollar than earlier in the session when we hit a pretty key resistance point and even maybe better than that was the fact that one of the big features that came in and came in to support the wheat specifically was the fact that the corn joined up with the soy meal market and found some new daily highs and we were able to get the September corn to lead the market, and now that you know September's been in delivery for the last few days, now we've had relatively light delivery notices, and so that suggests that the sellers who have the ability and and really have the power to sell into the cash market, if they think that uh, futures price is better than the cash price, they're not doing that, and so it's and it's I think it's extra supportive from a standpoint that the commitment of traders report continued to show the managed money longs in the corn uh, a bit higher than I would have liked to have seen but to kind of round out this point is as I think the cash corn price is coming around led by the basis and maybe just maybe we're getting some yield numbers now in early uh, harvesting and er- early shelling in some key states that isn't the greatest or isn't as good as maybe the trade was expecting so one day doesn't make a trend but it sure was a nice thing to see uh, after having such a tough start to the week after the holiday
0: you know and we did see uh, obviously a slowdown with this rains as they've hit all across the upper midwest with this harvest we're going to have delayed numbers because of the holiday yesterday where we're at on crop progress report is there potential to have some early number discussions coming out of these usda reports
1: Yeah, I do think there are. And, you know, while the September report is probably slanted towards a bigger bean crop and bigger yields, in part because of the pro-farmer tour and in part because of the rains that we received very timely about a week ago, and also there's still such a question about the Chinese demand and the United States losing more that the global bean ending stocks may go up as well on that. I think the corn, you could call it either way, and I'm kind of starting to lean towards the idea that with major parts of Iowa getting 6, 8, 10 inches of rain the last 7 days and this new tropical storm coming into Mississippi, Louisiana in the next 24 hours, that's starting to curl into Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, take exactly almost the same track as what we just got done seeing through parts of nebraska and iowa as well so i think you could make a case that the ability of the corn to be shelled and to kind of grab a hold of those early better yields may be suspect because of the standability issues and all this water because we are running so far ahead in terms of maturity in the corn this year so this may give the futures market more pause and not want to price in Um, a discount in the futures market for corn heading into the crop report. And if that's correct, Susan, and given the African swine flu, you probably would continue to see the market buy corn and sell beans, even though they've been doing that for the better part of three months.
0: Even though yesterday was a holiday, you sent out a special report on the currency crisis. Kind of talk about the bigger picture, what we're seeing? How is that going to affect our grain, guys?
1: Well, this is where we aren't at a full-blown crisis yet, but Argentina and Turkey and now uh, even maybe Russia, and I I dare say that we have to watch for China as well, Um, those major emerging countries could create an environment where because of higher interest rates being pushed by the central governments to try and stop their currency depreciation and stop their inflation, those higher interest rates could stall out their economies and if those economies stall out that eventually slows the trade down it slows the investment down and essentially what you see is a negative feedback loop where those interest rates and those inflationary pressures reinforce each other and you see a whole nother round of interest rate hikes and inflationary pressures as currencies continue to depreciate in these key countries this is not unlike in my opinion this is kind of what the special report touched on without getting too wonky, but the the mindset is is that this could be similar to what we faced in the late 1990s, and it kind of matches up nicely with Argentina, who just last week, and this was kind of the flag that caused me to finally write the report, because I've been watching it for a couple months, Susan, but just last week, the central government uh, or central bank of uh, Argentina raised their overnight rate 15% in one night. They jumped it to 60%. And it, the, the currency made an all-time low even after that happened. And it essentially said the financial market's not buying into the government trying to control and support their currency. Uh, with that kind of mindset, then you all all of a sudden have an issue where if this spills over into China, because the market becomes less uh, confident in the Chinese currency, and we see what happened in Turkey and in Venezuela and in Argentina start to happen in Russia or China then you really have some issues and it doesn't um... look unlike what we saw in the late nineties when that was the last time uh, 2000 two thousand two thousand one was when argentina had their last currency crisis and they essentially the whole economy defaulted and that kind of peaked uh, right around that two thousand one two thousand two time period fortunately that put the low in the commodities but we had to go through a lot of pain for about a year, and that's what I'm more concerned with. Yeah,
0: you know, there's a lot of things that we need to and, and to continue to keep a focus on as these global markets, both non-ag and ag, continue to change.
1: Yeah, and and you know, before we go to break, I just think it's extremely important that producers, if you had to choose, and I, I've talked to several producers, both listeners of Rural Radio Network and listeners of other uh, stations that I work with in the Central Corn Belt, just this week, following up with them on trial subscriptions they put in place uh, on the website, almost every one of them said, "I just can't take the stress right now. I just don't want to read any more about the trade wars. I just want to take a break." Is form a mindset that, okay, if I get a rally, is the world getting better?
0: We have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue the conversation with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. And, you know, Mike, we just came off of the Nebraska State Fair. Next week, we're heading into Husker Harvest Days, which I want to mention you are going to be there both Tuesday and Wednesday, so folks can stop by to talk to you. But, Producers I chatted with at our booth have made the comments and it came up more than once was when we continue to talk about these unknown that this unknown purchase of soybeans this unknown purchase of corn they said that they're optimistic that it could be a country like China in disguise not coming out yet to say yep it's me we need the grain.
1: You know, I think that is something we always want to watch and I'm for instance Susan watching very closely Hong Kong and Australia and countries that are relatively close logistically to uh, the mainland China. I'm also watching real closely what Argentina announced that they may do because of these economic problems and this currency crisis, for lack of a better term, uh, is creating. And it's creating them the need to force more revenue out of their exports. And that's why they're doing this export tax on their grains. And this is where the meal comes in. If you've listened to you and I talk, For any period of time, meal really is kind of the linchpin to the soybean market in terms of actual demand. And so, if the soy meal gets a demand boost underneath it because of a lack of competing supplies, which that would be a major one because Argentina is the number one meal supplier and exporter in the world, that would be a not a game changer, but it would give us that I think element of uh, ability to get sales made on rallies and hit those targets that we talked about before the break. I don't know if China is really going to come in and purchase a lot because I think this swine fever may be worse than what they're letting on to be. And the reason I say that's twofold because it's around or in so many major hog producing provinces I have a hard time believing that 38,000 hogs has taken care of the job as far as what they've called to get down the disease to where it's not an issue. The second reason is because the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization put out a special update about that just about a week ago. That organization usually doesn't move or do anything unless you've got a big, big deal brewing. And so I'm inclined to think that you probably have more African swine fever to have to talk about in the coming weeks as opposed to less. So if that's the case between the meal stocks China has And the lack of uh, supply to feed the meal because of hogs being called, I'm not as uh, concerned that we're going to get a lot of sales out to China uh, through these unknown destinations. I think the key to upside prices is that a competing country has lower supplies for whatever reason or competing countries have weather problems. Those are the things that we're looking for rallies out of, in my opinion, to get sales made because we really aren't seeing any organic demand brew because of these issues with the strong dollar.
0: When you talk about that African swine flu, and I know we're kind of go- jumping into the livestock here pretty quick, is you know China, and you talked about the suspension of hog transportations, and the Ag Secretary is even wondering if China hasn't been forthcoming in how serious this outbreak is, which means if the outbreak is that bad, they're gonna to need to feed their people. Do you think that might influence all this tariff discussion?
1: That is the best vehicle that will probably bring China to the table, especially as we get closer to November, December, when the South American supplies of the soy complex are probably being tapped out, and as far as excess exportable supplies. But I think when you take a look your point is extremely valid because of the fact that you look at the consumer price index the inflation that china has pork is such a large percentage of the food uh, side of it i believe it's almost a full third of the food price inflation uh... segment of the consumer price index that it really can move the needle in terms of inflationary pressure at the consumer level and if you add to that consumers that are no longer investing in the property market or who are starting to lose their jobs because of the slowdown in the Chinese economy. That is the one thing that I think could get President Xi in China to really move towards getting an agreement made with President Trump. The only issue there is is that President Xi I mean it's it's almost a given in my mind that now President Xi, if he's going to come to the table with President Trump President Trump's going to say, you've got to take care of North Korea for me, because we found out last week, the the, uh, curtain was removed, so to speak, that our policy in terms of sanctioning China is directly related to our North Korean foreign policy. And that triangulation, I don't think the president's going to give up on. So if China comes to the table, I think it's going to be because... And if President Trump acknowledges that, it's going to be because China also comes to the table when it comes to North Korea. That, to me, is a tougher, tougher hill to climb.
0: Definitely going to be interesting to watch as it all unfolds, Mike. Indeed. Best way for folks to get a hold of you and talk markets after the markets close.
1: Yeah, best way to call is or best way to get a hold of me is to call eight six six four seven one twenty five eighty eight after the market closes, and I can get you signed up on the website. Otherwise, go directly to the website globalanalytics.biz and sign up for a trial and I'll make sure you sign up and ask for the special report we talked about. I'll be happy to send that out free.
0: All right, sounds good. That is the Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network.
1: You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.